Welcome to another episode of The Filmographers, the podcast where I pick an actor, watch everything they've ever made, and then talk to you about it. Uh, this episode is about Greta Gerwig, and my guest is comedian Tim Duffy. Hello. Uh, everyone can follow him on, on Twitter at Tim Duffy and go to all of his shows if you live in New York. Yeah, I mean, all one of them a month if we're lucky. <laughs> Um, so this was a great pick because I had never seen Greta Gerwig in a movie before. I'd seen Lady Bird and I had heard her acting on the show China, Illinois, but I'd never seen a movie that she was an actress in before. Wow. Um, yeah. So it was an exciting new world. Uh, so Tim, this was your pick. Uh, what was your previous uh, relationship with Greta Gerwig? Uh, I mean, I, I, I know that I like what she does, I uh, have a, I, I'm fond of mumblecore uh, as a genre, <laughs> uh, and that's pretty much all she does. So mm-hmm. it was, uh, my favorite kind of movie is any movie where somebody's having trouble paying the rent. Uh, <laughs> and that's basically also all of her movies. Uh, so that was, uh, it was a, a nice pick for that. I did not realize how deep her filmography went and how uh, terrible some of those early movies were. <laughs> Uh, that for that I am I am sorry, but uh, oh no, it's okay. It it was way shorter than most filmographies. That's true. Uh, yeah the 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 main thing you learn during this podcast is every actor is in way more movies than you think, right? And a, a lot of them are terrible. Yeah, yeah. A lot of most of them look like they were recorded on camcorders. Uh, it's a huge <laughs> chunk of those early on. Um. It's a weird, weird, wild filmography uh, yeah. that's fairly one note. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's talk about her first movie. I was excited this was on here because I'd always been curious about it. The Miley Cyrus Vehicle, LOL. Did you watch this one? Uh, wait, this was a Miley. This is not. This is the Swanberg movie, LOL. What? The, is it? Yeah, there's a. This was one of the camcorder jams. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I watched the long, long one. Okay, great. Oh, well, all right. <laughs> well, in this, she played. It's this is like a. It's got like a Chuck and Buck feel. You know that movie Chuck and Buck. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got a little bit of that, and it's uh, it's about a guy who's got a lot of cam girls in his life and uh, his friends make fun of him for not talking to real girls. And uh, in the movie, Greta Gerwig is one of those girls. Uh, and she's a very small part. And uh, it's odd to see her go for it in this one. What <laughs> did you think she was doing in the Miley Cyrus movie? Well, I thought she just had like a, like a small part in it. And that's why I didn't notice because <laughs> she's credited as... Um, Greta and like that happens a lot in yes. like people's early works like uh Amy Adams plays Amy in Tenacious D in the Pick of Destiny and I've never been able to notice her in it right so it didn't seem that odd to me that I couldn't uh spot her when I watched LOL yeah um no in this she does a, a tasteful topless scene as a cam girl and uh <laughs> that's that's pretty much the highlight of the movie which is uh <laughs> just really weird and awkward and uh 
disturbing. Uh, not disturbing in like it's trying to be disturbing way, but like disturbing in that like this is how men behave kind of way. <laughs> so thumbs down on LOL, but you know, we all have to get our start somewhere. <laughs> Next one is Hannah Takes the Stairs. Right. Which is a Mark Duplass movie that I did not care for. I feel like there's there's a lot of movies Greta Gerwig is in where they're like, we're too artistic and intellectual to have a plot, but we're not too artistic and intellectual to have Greta Gerwig be naked a lot. Yes. And every time that happened, I would just be like, have some dignity, indie <laughs> filmmakers. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, but But yeah, I think when I watched it, you know, it was fairly new and I uh, sort of come from the, you know, I followed when I was 12, I saw Clerks and then I decided to watch everything that Kevin Smith told me to watch. So I watched like Slacker and all of the Jarmish movies. So things like this, not having a plot have never bothered me at all. As far as movies go, I think plots overrated and uh, nudity is underrated. So uh, <laughs> I am for Hannah Takes the Stairs. Right, interesting. <laughs> I just feel like it had so many scenes where it's like just that kind of like fake, interesting dialogue where it's like, yeah, if my friends were saying this when we were like at a diner together at 4 a.m., I'd be like, yeah, that is interesting. But like in a movie, I just like don't care to hear anyone say it. Yeah, I get it. I get it. And to uh, to my, I think that. Her whole career is like these sort of building blocks until she made a good version of one of these movies, and then she completely yeah. breaks away from it. So, and uh, yeah, I just think this was for me. I I enjoyed it enough. I, I get why it's insufferable for literally almost everybody else. Totally get it. Uh, and I suppose you feel similarly about uh, the next movie. Yeah, I had more thoughts on the next one because i feel like hannah takes the stairs is mostly just like unbelievably boring baghead i had more thoughts on it but i think i hated it more <laughs> um first off like the distracting thing about baghead visually is like since it's like the mid 2000s and it's like a really cheap movie it looks like one of those like shitty reality shows like eliminate yes especially because like the things they're doing are like being like in a house saying like bitchy things to their boyfriend and stuff. So yeah, I kept being like, oh, I'm watching one of those reality shows that aired at like 4 p.m. And then just like plot yeah. wise, the, the twist made me so mad. Um, Cause it was like, like five minutes in, you know what's, what the big thing of it is gonna be. And then like when it happens, you just, it's, one of like the angriest I've ever been at a film. <laughs> I mean, I totally get it. And I also find the whole, this whole genre uh, frustrating, but there is, I, there, there is something to it where it's like uh, this fake, it's so fakely authentic that it comes back around to being actually authentic. And mm. I find that with all of the Dubla Duplass brothers, Swanberg, world of movies that's always the case seemingly it's mm -hmm. like this is uh really trying very hard to be naturalistic and then it comes all the way back around to being like 
I guess they kind of nailed it, even though it's insufferable. <laughs> People are insufferable is what I think right, yeah, the sure. point of these movies are. And they are a firm reminder of that. They really get that part of it. Um, and especially people who are obsessed with art and their art specifically and talking about it. Um, yeah. yeah it's but there's also that feeling where you're like, yeah, if I had your friend group, I would also think artists are insufferable, Mark <laughs> Duplass, but I have better friends than you. I guess every artist can tilt into Duplass land if you uh, let them. It also um, drove me nuts that this uh, movie has a lot of like very similar looking people, even though like some of them were people who I was like familiar with, like Greta Gerwig, I still like would constantly be like, is that her boyfriend or is that the, the other guy? And they had like a lot of like specific relationship stuff where it was like, you know, a guy would have a crush on this girl or whatever. And I just kept being like, okay, who is it? Is this his girlfriend? So you want him to be her to be his girlfriend? So it's just like hard to follow on just like a basic level because there's a lot of very similar looking mid twenties white people in it. Yeah, nondescript white people uh, are a real faux pas for me in movies. I also have a problem following who's who in that kind of a thing. And literally it's a casting thing that could have been solved by just getting one guy to be Asian. Like it's a weird right, thing, yeah. like suddenly you can get understand the movie a whole lot better because that one guy is not also a white guy. Um, yeah. What can you do? Woke culture hadn't seeped into Mark Duplass's <laughs> life yet. And uh, so he cast it accordingly. All right. Next is uh, You Won't Miss Me. Did you did you watch this one? Uh, I, I watched the trailer to this one. Okay. Yeah. Um, this was a disorienting experience for me because when I watched it, I was like, okay, we won't spend a lot of time on this one because it's like, not really a professional movie. It's just like some people did their best and they put it on Amazon Prime because like anyone can put stuff on Amazon Prime. And then when I saw the trailer today, the first thing was it was like official selection Sundance. So I was like, okay, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know anything about movies. I guess not. Um, yeah, it really looked like that to me. And then also looked like it didn't have a ton of Greta Gerwig in it. Um, yeah, it yeah, definitely. So that was why I was like, I think if I'm going to skip some of these, this might be one of the ones uh, to skip, particularly because it did not seem worth $2.99. Yeah, I uh, I didn't get the appeal of this one at all. I guess like it's so hard to tell with some of these for me is I'm like, I don't know if I liked art movies, if it would be good, but as far as I can tell it. <laughs> Didn't seem like it had any merits. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I like art movies, but also a lot of them are incredibly bad. But I guess this is why we're not on the selection board for Sundance. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. The next one was my favorite movie of hers. Uh, it's called The House of the Devil. This was your favorite. I, yeah. I mean, I would... This is probably the only movie she was in that I would solidly say is a good movie. Wow. There were others that I was like borderline like, okay, this has some good parts. Um, yeah, House of the Devil I thought was like, yeah, this is a good movie. I mean, it's a fun horror movie, but I don't, mm -hmm. I don't know if it's a good, you know, it's like, it's a solid, well-performed. Uh, yeah, okay, it's a good movie. I'll give it that it's a good yeah. movie. 
best of her bunch. I don't know about that. Um, I don't know. I thought it was the. I thought it was like the only one of her movies that I was like, you picked a thing and you didn't did it. It was not just like vaguely rambling and being indecisive for like two hours. That's we're true. like, we're gonna make a movie. Right. Well, I, I mean, I think part of that is that this is obviously not a Greta Gerwig project. Um, right, she yeah. plays just the concerned best friend, and uh, and she does it very well. Uh, yeah, I thought that was definitely her most fun role. Um, she's, you know, it was like nice watching her play a character who's like actually fun and cool to watch. And um, she looks adorable. I like, I'm I'm really into that look, I think, because like that 70s show came out during my formative years. So I'm just like, that's what a hot girl should look like. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yes, that makes sense. That makes sense. I, um, I also like that it is rooted in, once again, my favorite uh, genre of movie somebody trying to pay the rent uh it, it, yes. it is it, there's a realism of building the entire plot around the fact that somebody needs four hundred dollars uh yeah but it also almost feels like a like joke that it's like because it's the 70s she can take like a babysitting job and then have money to put a down payment on an apartment yeah yeah um which i thought was fun um and yeah, it does it? I like that. Um, it's a, like a homage to seventies horror movies, but it doesn't. Um, like it's not like parody or exaggerated. No. They like really tried to make it be like, if you didn't like know this is Greta Gerwig or anything, you would be like, oh, this is just like a seventies movie. And I thought that was like pretty cool to watch. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Yeah, and it also. I didn't check the runtime, but it it felt like a very like it uh it felt like it was like eighty minutes. Like they really like got in and got out. Ninety five nice for a movie like this. Yeah, I'm looking at the yeah, IMDb. It was a good pace. Um, yeah, it was a yeah, it's a good one. I would uh I would recommend to people, especially if you're the kind of person who thinks that Greta Gerwig is insufferable and you mostly like genre movies. I would say. Find out if she's still insufferable in one of those. With this, <laughs> yeah. it's uh, yeah, the least Greta Gerwig. Well, I guess not the least Greta Gerwig because she was in No Strings Attached. Yeah, um, that's. Uh... But I guess in some ways that's actually more Greta Gerwig because it's like attractive people like talking a lot about like their problems. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, yeah, yeah. House of the Devil is like very strong, like stylistic, yeah, genre movie. Next is a short film called Family Tree. And this one, it's it's on YouTube. And this one definitely felt to me like it was just like one of their friends like figuring out how to make a short film. It didn't really feel like it was like for an audience. I was trying to figure out if she made it like years before she started getting acting work and then it just came out at that time. Like maybe this person yeah. like, finished editing it after five years because they were working the night shift at like a gas station or something. Um, it, it seems very odd that she would have done this in 2009 on the, uh, yeah. yeah, it just seemed very weird. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it was probably like either a student film or like essentially a student film. And then I feel like they probably just put it out because they were like, I have this short film with all these famous people in it. Yeah, somebody got lucky and got the cast together years ago, and then they were like, well, this movie's coming out, and you can't stop me. You signed the release. So. Is it 
Is, was it even really put out? Because I only saw it on YouTube. Sure, that's putting it I out. I thought they just like put it up. I, okay, I guess. <laughs> out. <laughs> All right. Don't take away this man's accomplishment. <laughs> I, I certainly would. I was just thinking because you said like signed the release and I feel like you can just put stuff on YouTube. Oh my God. This guy's name is Kentucker. Oddly. That's the name of the writer-director. Kentucker. Kentucker. Kentucker, like the state of Kentucky, but Tucker? Yes, exactly like that. <laughs> wow. So, Does he have a last name or is it just Kentucker? Oddly. A U D L E Y. Kentucker this oddly? is a made up name. Oddly. Kentucker Oddly. <laughs> nope. I thought you were just like, Oddly, his name is Kentucker. Wow. No. Well, that's no. Has he done any like further movies? Yeah, he has actually. He's uh an actor mostly um okay. but i don't know any oh he was in that movie vhs that horror movie in 2012 mm. that might be the most popular thing he's oh he's a, he's a policeman in ma oh nice all right i remember the policeman in ma i think this it's the same ma anyway uh um, weird okay stuff. so yeah my my fan theory is going to be that they were in an acting class together and he just like, you know, that thing where acting classes like also film each other's projects just because right. it's easier. So good uh, for Kentucker. <laughs> yeah. Bad for Greta Gerwig. Next up is Greenberg. This is one of the big ones. Yeah. It's her first Noah Baumbach movie. Uh, what did you think? I'm going to guess that you hated it. No, this is one of the ones that I was like, okay. Okay, great. <laughs> like, um, I like it, uh, you know, music by LCD Sound System. Uh, it's really hitting all of my pleasure centers <laughs> there. A, a, a com comedic actor doing a somewhat dramatic turn, uh, literally just checking boxes for things that I enjoy. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm all in on Greenberg. Greenberg, probably the first uh, Greta Gerwig movie I saw probably mm -hmm. so uh love love bound back love gerwig uh love them as a <laughs> filmmaking union <Aww. laughs> the, the one thing that it, it's it does have like a a bit of a rich dick vibe to it you know like that and, and that gives me pause um but i think they they corrected for that in their future collaborations by making the people poorer um, I mean, speaking of hitting all my pleasure centers, uh, so the main character of this movie is Ben Stiller as just like a washed up, miserable band guy. Yeah. Um, so automatically I like it for that. Uh, just absolutely a perfect man. And he has like a lot of like charged tense scenes with his former band member. Love all of that. Yep. Um, I thought the Greta Gerwig stuff was very, like, tacked on in a way. Yeah, it seemed like they needed uh, a female role. They seemed to, like, yeah. they were like, oh, we forgot to put this in. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And it felt like it, like, I feel like they had, like, the instinct of, like, trying to be of like Noah Baumbach trying to be a better person than he is and like being like, okay, she's not just gonna be a girl he sleeps with. And it like actually would have been better if she'd like just been a girl she sleeps with because like um, 
every time they like talk about the relationship and are like, oh, what what are we? There's so much going on. It was just like, you're just two people who kind of like having sex with each other. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. It seems like they didn't make romantic pixie dream girl, which I guess we're supposed to feel like applause for <laughs> right. Noah Baumbach <laughs> for that. Um, but also uh, it, that character is at least an interesting trope um and in this she was just uh a girl just just a girl checking a box right and it's it's very odd because the movie actually opens on Greta Gerwig who has to like house it while her boss goes out of town and um then Ben Stiller comes in and is her boss's brother so it like seems like a movie about her I mean, I guess you know the title is Greenberg right. going into it. But other than that, it seems like a movie about her. And then like 15 minutes in, it's like, no, not at all, which is just like an interesting choice. Yeah, I think it's I think they're trying to like play up the selfishness. And that's mm. why everybody else is less interesting than or less focal than. And maybe that's an argument, but it just feels like half assed writing yeah i mean it's it, it's interesting because this feels like a movie where sh we should be like very on him like he should be in every scene and it felt like even like the kind of movie that should have like voiceover or something just because it's like it feels like just because of who greenberg is as a character it should be like very very here's greenberg's point of view and so like not doing that and like having greta gerwig be the entry point at first and um decisions like that are definitely like interesting, but I felt like it kind of didn't work and it would have been better as like a, like the, I think this is the obvious comparison just cause of like Ben Stiller, but like Brad status, that's a movie. Have you seen that one? Yes, I have. I like that. Yeah. He's like similarly self-involved and like the movie gets that he's self-involved cause you're like truly, truly in his head the whole time. And, um, like, I'm, I'm not saying one is better than the other, but that, like, made more sense to me, you know? Whereas it felt like almost a, a like, disconnect to have Greenberg be so, so self-involved and, like, so the central personality of the movie. And yet, like, sometimes they would just, like, have full scenes that are, like, Greta Gerwig without him. Yeah, that is an odd choice. Uh, I hadn't thought of it that way, but now I am. <laughs> <laughs> also um she so she has an abortion in the movie and like i understand that like especially a few years ago just like doing that in an american movie at all like was a brave choice so that is like on some level like just objectively good to have done that at the time right but it also like felt like very just like what's the most way we can prove that this is a strong female character just like the biggest like yeah move. shortcut What's a shortcut? Yeah, exa exactly. Yeah, it felt like almost lazy. Yeah. Um, and and that, of course, makes me wonder, like, how much of this is Greta Gerwig just asking Noah Baumbach to, like, you know, not make her the Manic Pixie Dream Girl and give her something of substance to do in the movie. And, uh, you know, I wonder if there's a bit of that going on here as yeah. well. I feel like I doing this podcast, like, I really enjoy... Um, the narrative of people's filmographies uh even more than like just watching the movies on their own and Greta Gerwig has such an amazing one of like 
playing these like hot girls in dudes movies and then like going to like co-writing them with her boyfriend Noah Baumbach while he directs and then eventually just making Lady Bird on her own is like such a like outstanding just like narrative for a filmography to have yeah I agree it's what it's what you want yeah it's very satisfying <laughs> yeah so I'm I'm pro Greenberg but but now I like it less because you've made me <laughs> oh, rethink I'm sorry. it um no it definitely it, it has a lot of uh a lot of very interesting scenes so <laughs> I, I was mostly on board with it um all right did you what did you think of no strings attached uh you know uh, i was shocked to find all of the people in it i mm. was also surprised there was the other one that came out at the same time as no strings attached that was essentially the same plot. friends with benefits friends yeah. with benefits and it's weird that no strings attached is the name of an in sync album and friends with benefits stars Justin Timberlake. I never thought about that. It's wildly insane. Um, so so that that was odd. And mostly uh Greta Gerwig is uh, a prop in this movie, not like a, a human person, it feels like Yeah. This movie has like the most I don't know how to describe it, like I I want to call it like the most movie casting. Like it's so unnatural. Like his Ashton Kutcher's friend group, it's him, Jake Johnson, and Ludacris. Yeah, it's wild. Like uh, Greta, Ger yeah, Greta Gerwig is just like there, being the like slightly less hot but still very hot best friend, and it's just like almost feels like if I was like making a parody of rom-coms and wanted to be like, you know how rom-com casting <laughs> is like really dumb and weird? <laughs> and how much you're just like, Ashton Kutcher and Jake Johnson and Ludacris don't hang they out. Do they just like, it's a formula. Ludacris is not a normal human being. And to try and make him one in a movie is disrespectful to the legacy of Ludacris, I think. Yes, exactly. Um. Yeah, I thought this movie was truly insufferable. Um, most of it was like normal, boring, bad, but there were a couple things that made me truly hate it. One was there's a part where Natalie Portman is on her period and Ashton Kutcher makes her a mix CD of bleeding themed songs. And I was just watching it like, if a cis guy did that for me, I would murder him. And I feel like the jury would let me go. Like, that's such a just terrible, monster, weird, weird move. And it's just like one of those things that is like, just like Hollywood trying to like approximate what like a quirky nice guy does. And just being, just like being way off and coming up with something that like, no human who deserves love would do. Yeah, I think uh, they asked themselves, what would Judd Apatow do in this movie? And they <laughs> they came up with that, which is not something that Judd Apatow would do in a movie. Uh, and they were yeah. like, this seems right, right? And it's like, no, it's not. not yeah, that. and it's like, it has such a like weird approach of the no strings attached dating, which I think is like a common problem in Hollywood is that they're so like, can you imagine sleeping with someone casually? Like, ooh, what's that like? It's so interesting. And like, you can't 
show it realistically if you think it's fascinating because the reality is that that's just like what happens you just like start sleeping with people and like that's the norm like if i met a guy and he was immediately like so are we going to be boyfriends i would be like that's the weird thing <laughs> like so you're saying the better movie would be uh about a very clingy uh ashton kutcher <laughs> i mean he kind of is he does but become yeah, that just, but like yeah it's this very like fake movie thing where everyone else keeps being like, it's so strange that Natalie Portman wants to sleep with guys and not put a label on it. And it's like, is it? Right. And then of course the movie forces them to uh, put a label on it. Right. <laughs> yeah. I feel, And I feel like um, just like so much of both like TV and movies did such a terrible job at this pretty much like until broad city that was like the first thing i saw that was just like yeah i'm like sleeping with a guy and not calling him my boyfriend because that's like what you do um but like everything prior to that was just like i don't know how but like does everyone in hollywood marry their high school sweetheart i have no <laughs> idea how you can be like this out of touch about what dating is like hollywood has to make us believe in love lenny yeah. And it also, speaking of Hollywood being out of touch, like Ashton Kutcher has a famous dad and is mad that he's directing like a high school musical type movie. And it's just like the least relatable Hollywood struggle to be like, nepotism helped me, but not enough. <laughs> like, I don't give a shit, dude. He's, he's one of the least sympathetic movie characters I've ever seen. Yeah, I would say. Well, I mean, that's also it's played by Ashton Kutcher. So that, that doesn't help the situation. Yeah. He, yeah. He's one of those guys. I think like, I feel like a lot of actors suffer from the fact that like, we think leading men have to be likable. So they'll like force like quasi every man status on Ashton Kutcher. And it's like, I would much rather watch a movie where he's like, just like a womanizing douchebag having a fun time instead of them like, trying to have Ashton Kutcher be a human. Completely agree. I also, uh, but but the Greg, Greta Gerwig angle of this movie is, uh, this was a big come up probably for her. She probably felt like, you know, nobody's gonna put me on some old movie on YouTube again for me. <laughs> I'm yeah. Mainstream, mainstream I, Gerwig. Her like big, uh, her like big mainstream movies are this and Arthur, which made me develop the theory that she will only do a big studio movie if it's making the case that big studio movies are unforgivably <laughs> bad. Like this is her commentary on Hollywood. That's actually a pretty good theory. I like that. I will say the one aspect of No Strings Attached I thoroughly enjoyed is that there's this woman who has like this kind of like sad crush on Ashton Kutcher and is rejected by him and ends up dating his dad, which I was just like, that's wonderful. Why isn't that the movie? <laughs> that is a better movie. Yeah. That happens a lot in romantic comedies though. I feel like we're like the quirky choice for the B and C level characters are the more interesting things. And then, and they never get explored. It all happens off screen and you're like, yeah. wait a second. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, in this movie, when it set up the idea of a Jake Johnson, Greta Gerwig romance, I was like, oh, I bet I'll be way more into that than the main plot. And then, like, they just don't have scenes together, which is 
I mean, like they do, but like, it's not like a full like B plot, which is disappointing because like, I, I would definitely watch Greta Gerwig and Jake Johnson together all the time. That's I'm great. sure Mark Duplass was, has been trying to get that No Strings <laughs> Attached sequel off the ground Ken. for years. Uh, I would I would come around on Duplass <laughs> if he made a No Strings Attached sequel that's just a Duplass movie, but also uh, explicitly canon to the No Strings Attached universe. I love that. We'll have to send him a letter. Yes, it can be called two strings attached. Yeah, that's that sounds yeah, yeah. I can't I can't see another place to put it to, in the uh, unless unless you make the I and strings the Roman numeral right. <laughs> like two eyes for Roman numerals. I would like that because it's so bad. Or you make the S, at you know a two, and then you have to just rationalize that it's backwards. Or it's no strings attached to colon. Most strings attached. Yes. Um, that's the other one. Um, all right. What did you think of The Dish and the Spoon? The Dish and the Spoon uh, was seemingly, uh, it feels like a parody of these kinds of yes. movies. Um, not that I hated it, um, but it did feel like a parody of other Greta Gerwig movies. Um, even though it felt like it was the first time that she was the most important character in it, maybe, um, it still felt like if you were to have a marketing group make a, write a Greta Ger Gerwig movie, it would come out like this. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah, it's so, it's so quirky in a, like, really specific to the era way that is always, like, so weird to revisit now. Like, even... Even movies I love, like Little Miss Sunshine is probably like one of my favorite movies, but you still like every time you watch it are like, I have traveled back in time. And yeah, it's it's like, it's so over the top quirky. I watched the trailer today and there was a quote that was like, the leading actor's whimsy recalls that of a young Johnny Depp. And I was like, all right, I guess if that sentence sounds good to you. No, the leading actor's haircut recall that I, of a young Johnny yeah. Depp. <laughs> I think that is like a lot of the way like uh, like people who like quirky movies it is like they'll watch something and what they get out of it is like that's a cute top right. or like like that haircut. Greta Gerwig is wearing a winter hat in the, <laughs> yeah, in exactly. the spring. It's it's just one of those movies where it's like they're this is a genre we've left behind and also there are like way better entries in the genre. Definitely. Yeah. Um, a Greta Gerwig has to Greta Gerwig and she, she <laughs> certainly did in this film. Yes. Um, all right. Are you excited to talk about Arthur? I am <laughs> excited. Isn't maybe the word um, <laughs> that thing is uh, that is the worst. And I really enjoy the original Arthur. Are you, do you have any familiarity? I, I don't remember it that well, but when I watched it in high school, I liked it. Um, yeah, it's about a true alcohol. It's truly a fun movie about an alcoholic, like a funny movie about an alcoholic. Um, and this just, I don't know, Russell Brand is insufferable. And uh, why would Greta Gerwig spend any time with him? And uh, a variety of other questions arise. Also, why did they make this movie? <laughs> it's so strange, yeah. Because like remake, like remaking Arthur 
and like having Greta Gerwig be the lead and like stuff like that, like indicates someone who like loves film. And then like the actual movie, it like feels like a cash grab, except that no, like no, there's no mainstream audience for it. It's like aesthetically seems like such a bottom of the barrel cash grab. Uh, but except for the fact that no one would ever want this, yeah. it's truly, truly bizarre. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's a cash grab in that a studio put money behind it and gave people, paid people, but nobody made money on it. Right, yeah. Maybe they did. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a, like, there's no, like, style and nothing interesting to it, but it's just, like, remaking Arthur is such a, like, strange, specific idea. It feels like it must have been someone's vision, but, like, maybe not. I guess sometimes studios are just, like, we own the rights to this thing. Let's just. I mean, maybe it was Russell Brand. I could see him have, yeah, having had an interest in the movie Arthur. But that said, he really threw the the movie out. Like Arthur had like a rough around the edges look. This looks like every other mainstream comedy of its time. You know, there's there's just Arthur had a, a real menace to the character that I found interesting. This was not that. This was like problematic but not like so problematic that it was like interesting yeah it's this horrible thing like i feel like a lot of mainstream comedies do this where like he's legitimately awful but the way it's presented is so glossed over that it doesn't feel interesting like very early on there's a joke about him uh having sex with two underage transgender girls and it's like not even like, but it's not even, it doesn't even feel edgy. Like even yeah. though that seems like it would be like an it's always sunny level at least joke, it just like, I guess like in a post two and a half men world, it's just like easy to um, to say edgy things and still have it be like completely boring. Yeah, I guess, yeah, that's an interesting way to look at it. <laughs> I don't think about two and a half men that much, but uh that. I mean, it was it was a very big comedy, yeah. and I do think it like I guess like that and Family Guy. Now, like you can say like rape jokes or whatever, and it's like not even like a baseline semi challenging thing. It's just like yeah, okay, this is a comedy, right? Edgy for edgy's sake, mm -hmm. um, yeah. and and to some extent, the original was that too. But maybe the original was less self aware, so as a result, it's like a better movie. If that makes sense. Right, yeah. This one sort of knows that it's being edgy for edgy's sake. Like, I think he understood that the old one was, like, toxic in its way and wanted to, like, play around with that. But, like, he doesn't get it. Yeah, because it's, like, it's so aggressively thinks he's basically a nice guy. Like, first off, the tagline is the world's only lovable billionaire, which is insane. <laughs> I think, like... I feel like this uh, obviously like predated people really like laying into Elon Musk. And it's kind of funny that anyone ever thought that being like, yeah, he likes Batman and stuff would like make a billionaire likable. <laughs> Cause like now we're all like, yeah, the thing about billionaires is that they are nerd bros. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like this is, even though it's not that old, it feels like it's from a world where people thought the issue with billionaires is that they're stuffy and need to have more fun. Right. 
Yeah, we want to. We want billionaires out there living their best lives. Um, also, Warren Buffett is a likable billionaire, and Oprah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like there, are, there are lovable billionaires, um, and uh, the in the story, he um, Greta Gerwig is like an unpublished author, and he buys a publishing house just to publish her book and doesn't tell her, and. Um, Jennifer Gardner, who I thought was the best, like, I love the character she's playing, and Jennifer Gardner is so good in the role. I, it was like, one of those, th there's like one particular scene where she's like crawling around trying to seduce Arthur, and she's so funny. I was just like, she deserves like a purple heart or something for even like trying to be that funny in Arthur. Yeah. I, uh... It's weird. I've never seen her, uh, other than like Alias, I've never seen her act incredibly well. And uh, this was like very outside of the box for Jennifer Garner. Though who also whoever casted it is uh, really thinking about Jennifer Garner in ways that the rest of the world is not. Um, so the Jennifer Garner character tells Greta Gerwig the truth that he... Uh, bought this publishing house secretly to publish her book. And the ending is just in no uncertain terms, like, she's a bitch for doing that. He's a good guy. Her being a bitch tricked Greta Gerwig into thinking he's a jerk, but he's not. And it's like, what the fuck? He, he did an elaborate lie. To, and Jennifer Gardner's crime was actually telling another woman the truth? Like, it's nuts. Yeah. Arthur shouldn't exist. <laughs> yeah. The whole conflict is like, if he doesn't marry Jennifer Gardner, he won't get his billions, which is such a, like, it's so insane to, to watch a movie that it's like, oh no, you would have to marry sexy Jennifer Gardner and get billions? I'm sorry, dude. And uh, th there's like a whole, there's like, when she's, when she's talking to Jennifer Gardner about it, he's like, well, I, I don't like you. I like other girls. And she's like, oh, yeah, that's fine. So it's like, what is the actual problem? He's like about to marry like the coolest, sexiest girl in the world and be a billionaire. But he's like, no, um, which is like, I feel like it's like a a monster's idea of what a good guy is to be like. I don't want to have a sexy marriage with Jennifer Gardner. I want to read books with Greta Gerwig. And it's like, that's, that doesn't actually make you a good guy. Yeah, also it's the the warped brain of a billionaire. That, that might actually be a, an accurate depiction of the warped brain of a child right. of privilege. So, if, it, if it was making commentary on that, that could be good. But they did um, not But it feels, yeah, it feels like an incredibly earnest movie. Um, that was what I was shocked about, that it's so earnest. Yeah. It feels like it was probably a, like, a too many cooks in the kitchen thing. Like, I'm sure there was some point where they wanted it to be like, he's truly like a mean alcoholic. And then like someone from the studio came in and was like, but what if he was also a great guy who deserves the girl? And the like, happy ending is he marries Greta Gerwig and then he's like great news my mom just decided to still let me have my billions <laughs> everything works out so the whole problem of the plot is just completely thrown away yeah it's uh it's a dumb movie yeah 
it's yeah it's truly it feels like i feel like it's an overused expression to say something feels like a 30 rock joke but just like the whole idea of like russell brand being arthur and it being like this glossed over like happy nice guy story is just like such like classic hollywood studio stuff yeah all right next is uh damsels in distress which is like one of those classic uh college group of women uh type movies sort of like i feel like i see a lot of types of this of movies like this but i'm having trouble uh for some reason pretty persuasion is the first one i thought of but i was like there must be a better reference point i mean it reminded me of uh like a like an indie pcu <laughs> um, that's a fun reference yeah just like a an all-female remake of uh pcu uh that's that's what it, it felt like to me um i did not like the movie yeah uh, i didn't yeah i didn't find it funny i thought it was like bearable but i certainly can't think of anything i liked about it yeah yeah i have a I, I have a weekly movie night and sometimes we uh we we give star ratings to things and we try and think of what we liked or didn't like about it and while this would not be a zero star i would not be able to rationalize whatever stars i gave it uh you know like i like that greta gerwig is in a movie well i like the concept like i think mean girl click movies are all on some level great to me <laughs> like uh and just like the idea of a mean girl click that like works at a suicide prevention center felt very real to me because i like i feel like this generation it's like yeah it is cool to be in like gay straight alliance and that kind of stuff we don't have the like cheerleaders who are cool anymore right. um so it, like it felt very real but it just wasn't doing a, a like it had it had such a like obvious concept for humor and satire and just like wasn't actually hitting on it um it felt like it felt like one of those movies where the people who make it have too much distance between them and like actual college age girls so it's like they're trying so hard to make commentary and it just like doesn't actually resonate yeah also just i i it's a uh, it's wants to be a broad comedy but it is uh broadly not comedic at all like there's not, there's not a joke that felt like it worked. Yeah. I felt like that with a lot of Greta Gerwig movies, like they, her lower tier ones, like a lot of them felt like the show girls, but without the jokes, like just like the vibe. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that this falls into, well, I guess this doesn't feel like, mumblecore in that girl's way, but like this felt like it was really trying to be a broad comedy and mm -hmm. just did not write, they, it feels like they didn't write jokes. They wrote things that had the rhythm of jokes, but not a- uh, Right, yeah. yeah, like, yeah, it felt like it was trying to be like drop dead gorgeous or something like that. Um, but it was like their takeaway from that was just like, it's fun when girls are bitchy to each other, as opposed to like, you have to like write and deliver good jokes to make that movie enjoyable. Yeah, that's a popular, uh, that's a world problem. People who think that being mean is comedy. 
Um, right. Yeah, that's that's yeah, and and that is like a real sticking point for me when I when it feels like that's all a movie's trying to do. Uh, I I tune it out. I'd much rather watch sort of a you know like dry, deadpan, not funny mumblecore movie than something that's like really working at like being funny and it just tur- turns out that they're like saying mean shitty things right yeah next up is to Rome with love her uh her woody allen movie yeah uh i i i think uh i feel the same way about this that i feel about almost every modern woody allen movie which is that it sucks um <laughs> yeah. and it's it's unpleasant to watch and makes me uncomfortable um yeah. <laughs> so the, the thing that bugged me most about this movie is uh, Alec Baldwin, because he plays a character who um, partway through I was like, does Alec Baldwin exist? <laughs> like he, because he, uh, he meets Jesse Eisenberg and seems like a normal real person. But then Jesse Eisenberg starts having conversations with him in front of other people that the other people are not responding to. So I was like, is Alec Baldwin the fucking great kazoo? What a <laughs> shitty idea for a movie. But I, I think that's just the way Woody Allen movies are. Like he's only yeah. concerned about the characters that he's concerned about. And they're always at like parties and stuff, having these long-winded conversations that include none of the other people at the party. I mean, I think that's just a Woody Allen problem. Um, yeah, it, it felt very Woody Allen because he would like be talking to Jesse Eisenberg and be like, Oh, Ellen, like, what's wrong with Ellen Page? She's flirting with you. And I was like, first off, that's not a problem. Like, <laughs> it's nice when people flirt with you. Um, but he, yeah, he would just be like giving shitty commentary about women without them responding in any way. Um, and uh, the, the shittiest one that made me so fucking mad was... Um, he keeps like talking about how Ellen Page is like a fake intellectual. She's like not, uh, oh look, she's, she's she's so fake. She doesn't actually know anything. And there's a part where Ellen Page mentions the Fountainhead, and Alec Baldwin is like, she probably only saw the movie. I was like, bitch, the movie is a fucking obscure 1940s film. <laughs> book is assigned reading in every high school it's like the dumbest possible commentary you could have to call someone a fake intellectual no one has seen only the movie the fountainhead you weirdo yeah i mean but that's the fake intellectuals and all of that stuff is classic woody allen garbage too yeah not to mention all of the other real woody allen garbage that we are not even going to get into (laughs) yeah i mean there wasn't too much of that in this yeah the couples were mostly like age appropriate i think right i think so for the most part it's almost like somebody told him yeah exactly um so yeah on that basic level it wasn't as nauseating as it could be but it was still like like if you didn't know it was woody allen you would be like hey this is sexist but since it's woody allen you're like better to women than i thought yeah yeah (laughs) <laughs> a bold um, a bold step in the right direction for uh, a person who does not deserve the opportunity to step in that direction. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just like truly, and all, all the dialogue I think is like that. Um, she's probably only read the book thing where it's just like, feels like it 
would be funny banter, but like if you think about it at all, you're like, that's not funny. It just kind of has the cadence of Woody Allen dialogue. Yeah, and I think that's everything that he did, you know, and I I, I basically have stopped watching them, but uh, you know, like the Midnights in Paris and stuff like that, all of those movies feel like fake Woody Allen movies at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you're if you're gonna have movies that are like just the characters sitting around talking about literature, you gotta fucking deliver. Like you gotta have some stuff to say if you're gonna try that format. Um and yeah, they they really don't. Um, pretty much the only thing I thought was sort of fun about this movie was uh, Jesse Eisenberg and Greta Gerwig are a couple, and the like temptress who uh, he thinks about cheating with is Ellen Page. And I thought like that casting was smart casting because um, I feel like Ellen Page doesn't usually get cast as like hot girls, right. even though in the real world I've heard way more straight guys flip their shit about Ellen Page than like Megan Fox. So I thought like that was like smart, realistic casting. You hang out with a very specific kind of straight guy. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. But also like that's who watches Woody Allen movies. That's true. So it's like, that's true. <laughs> it should reflect that. Um, but yeah, it, uh, complete trash. And I like went in, like I went in like, trying to be open-minded because I was like, okay, it is a film podcast. I'll like talk about it as a movie, even though it'll have the caveat of like, don't buy a Woody Allen movie. But I like truly just on an artistic level was like, yeah, like you said, it sucks. Yeah. It feels like he's coasting on making um, movies that are like a little like visually more pleasing than your average people sit around and talk movie. And that's like not enough. <laughs> Yeah. Rest in peace, Woody Allen. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Next up is Lola versus. Yeah. This seemed like uh indie eat, pray, love and uh, did not, did not really. Yeah. This also did nothing for me. This was a uh, very instructive. I, you know, I thought I loved Greta Gerwig movies, but uh, I don't love all of them. <laughs> um <laughs> You know, like the premise seems fine. It should be fine, but it's just, uh, it's just not there for me. It's like, it seems very empty. And um, also the idea that you would be that upset about turning 30 and being sing single seems absurd. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it was a big yeah. drug to me. It felt like artistically it was like trying to be very millennial but then it still had this like almost like Nora Ephroni worldview and those weren't like meshing together it was like kind of hard to figure out who would want like a millennial indie movie that's also about being single at 30 um and yet also felt I thought like felt similar to like her Noah Baumbach movies because it's like about like a young woman being indecisive and talking about it a lot. Um, but like with the edges, like very much like rounded off. Yeah. Um, yeah. It just felt like a kind of like not quite for anyone movie, I guess. Yeah. It seemed like, yeah, it seemed like it was maybe trying to make her into a romantic comedy star like but failing at that um or like you know trying to at least make her like a star of 
women's comedies. Um, but it just didn't, it, you know, it feels like so mainstream and yet not at all satisfying in the way a mainstream movie is. Right. Yeah. It doesn't, it definitely doesn't have that like three act structure that you like go to studio comedies for. I mean, I guess not anymore. Um, but like the like satisfying, like character has a problem and then it gets worse and then they solve it. Like I just felt like, okay, she's doing various things. Yeah. It's weird how many of her movies are like just meh. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. That's what I thought. Like I going into it, I was like, uh, the thing about Greta Gerwig's filmography is there'll, there'll be so many interesting films. And then I was like, no, they're like mostly just like various quality levels of like attractive young people in New York have problems. Right. Which luckily didn't uh, poison the movies that I do like that are exactly that. But uh, <laughs> it did make me question her whole thing a little bit. <laughs> All right, is that your segue into Francis Ha? All right, so Francis Ha, one of the best movies of the decade. Um, <laughs> uh, I love Francis Ha. I, it's it's the movie where I was like, oh, I could, I, I'll watch whatever this woman is in, uh, and all of these other movies are making me question that decision. But uh, <laughs> but this that truly, I thought it was a, a delight. You, not into it. <laughs> yeah, it's really, it's truly fascinating to me how many fe people feel that way. Like I was just like watching reviews uh, right before we recorded and just like, I heard so many people just be like, oh my God, this is such an unmitigated delight or like Greta Gerwig is the best actress in the world. And I just like cannot imagine feeling that way. It was so fine to me. <laughs> I, I did not have strong feelings one way or the other. And um, yeah, I'm just like interested in what it is about it that people feel so strongly. I mean, I think some of it is aesthetic. I think it's shot beautifully. I think uh, she has like a very like French new wave look to her for some reason. And like, as does the rest of the cast, your Adam drivers and stuff are like, that's just something that appeals to me you know it feels like it could be a true foe movie but it's not um and i also feel like there's not a lot of american movies that you could say that for um i think a lot of american directors have tried to do that kind of stuff um and those are the very pretentious reasons that i enjoyed it but the other reasons is just uh i found despite her being an insufferable person i like got the sense that if i knew her i would be her friend and she would annoy me and I'd probably talk shit behind her back, but I would also be like, but she's a good person. <laughs> I'd make excuses for her if uh, if she was a real person. So uh, I don't know. I found it, I find it very appealing, um, but I get why people would find it insufferable. Uh, I hated yeah. the movie Juno um, for similar reasons. Uh, you know, nobody talks like that. And like, what are these people, you know? Yeah. So I get it. <laughs> well, I really, like, I didn't find her insufferable. I'm like surprised how many people have strong feelings about the character one way or the other. Cause I just watch it. I'm just like, that just like is 
everyone in New York that's just like me and all my friends and which is like fine I guess like um like when it, when it ended I was sort of like I agree that that's what being 26 in New York was like okay I didn't like I didn't really need to watch a movie to just like show me what my life is like I guess I I find uh there because it feels accurate and true to life I thought it was uh it's a valuable piece of of movie making I have a friend who was like the this is actually the first time I heard of like what Frances Ha was uh she's like what's the worst piece of art that reflects exactly who you are I think mine is Frances Ha <laughs> and watching it I was like okay yeah I kind of get that <laughs> yeah I mean I guess I that makes sense uh <laughs> but I I don't know I think it's objectively good in like the fact that you know, she, her acting is is good, and the filmmaking quality of it is good. You know, like there's there it checks a lot of like well made movie boxes. I think, uh, you know, the only one that it doesn't check is having like a riveting plot. Uh, yeah, we're pretty much the only thing I care about. Yeah, and like whenever someone says a movie is shot beautifully, I'm like, that's <laughs> that can be interesting for like one minute at most like how do you get through 90 minutes on it being shot well that's not a real question yeah agree to disagree here this is this is where we we part ways on the uh the greta gerwig filmography um yeah there were a few scenes of dialogue that i was like that's pretty good dialogue other than that it was pretty unmemorable for me to each their own you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> I do also hate any movie where someone gets offered a steady job and turns it down. That's like something that only happens in movies. Uh, I think it happens, but I, I you know, and I think, uh, you know, I, I, I think I've met, I've known idiots who've done similar <laughs> things. And uh, yeah, I mean, I know that's like the, the point of the movie is like, her is like everyone being like, just fucking take the job. Right. Well, I'm glad it exists. And uh... <laughs> me too. <laughs> Let's hear it for movies. Yeah, movies. Um, all right, next is Making a Scene, Greta Gerwig. This is uh, a series of short films that the New York Times made with various breakout actors of the year. I think we talked about these on the Michael B. Jordan episode as well. Um, I like most of them. I liked the Michael B. Jordan one a lot. I feel like the Greta Gerwig one was less interesting, but you know, they're all very short, so you should just watch them. <laughs> yeah. I like anything where it's uh, famous people being honest about their process. Uh, <laughs> I'd almost always rather watch that than a real movie, frankly. <laughs> um, I don't know why. I just think it's, uh, you know, cause you get the, you get the gist of a movie without actually having to, uh, <laughs> watch it and you get to know famous people and you know famous people are more interesting than their characters usually i think so uh -huh. um but not in this case did you not watch the arcade fire dancing video how do i not have that on here um, it might not, if it wasn't under her acting filmography i might not have it yeah well, she did some dancing in an Arcade Fire thing that was a... Uh, it might have been under her self-filmography. Ah, uh, yes, that's probably it. Um, but also worth watching. Uh, if you, But it's beautifully shot. It's only 13 minutes or whatever. 
it's one of those things. Um, but if you like dancing and Arcade Fire, I'd recommend it. Uh, basically, somebody from that band must have seen Francis Ha and been like, oh, we can make a whole video of this. Um, and they did. So. <laughs> My uh, my next one is, or, or I mean, our next one is The Humbling, uh, which was by far my least favorite. This gets my black ball for the episode. Uh, this is a fucking Al Pacino movie uh, where he starts having sex with lesbian Greta Gerwig. Um, and it just keeps doubling down on how offensive it is as the movie goes along. There's a part where her ex, who's, uh, who uh, is a trans man, shows up and is like, if you're dating men now, date me. And she's like, ew, gross, no. And it's just uh, truly uncomfortable and uh, offensive and bad on every level. Uh, and it's, it's based on a Philip Roth novel, which makes me nervous, um, but I'm hoping because I love Philip Roth, but I, I'm hoping stuff got lost in translation. And if you read the novel, it would be less awful. Uh, I'm sure the the novel's just as awful. It just doesn't have <laughs> Al Pacino in it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Al Pacino, late period Al Pacino is always a, a dicey proposition. And you have to, you have to assume that like a Greta Gerwig sees Barry Levinson and Al Pacino and she's like oh this is an important movie and I might get an Oscar nomination for it uh without yeah. even reading a script but like oof yeah yeah it's I I'm glad I'm not an actor because it's truly shocking how many movies will just have like five A-list people and then just like go straight to video on demand <laughs> it's, it's a tough business yeah yeah um yeah this is uh just a disgusting, incoherent navel gazy movie. Yeah, it's it's uh it's for old men and uh, it's it's not for me. I'm not yeah. not, I'm not yeah. old enough yet to have this movie appeal to me in any way. Yeah, it's just that th- that thing of like I like I like um, sexually deviant movies or whatever, but I feel like they all suffer from the fact that they're like primarily made by old straight men and um like this movie is so oblivious to the fact that like most lesbians have sex with men at some point because of compulsory heterosexuality so like that's not the subversive thing that is the normal thing (laughs) yeah i mean yeah any movie where like a straight guy turns a gay woman i think is uh fundamentally just missing the point um So no no dice on on this one the humbling also the title is just in and of itself a little bit upsetting yeah um all right next up is eden which is about dj's yeah and i just fundamentally don't think we need any dj movies so much of the dialogue is just explaining Daft Punk to people. It makes this movie makes me feel like I got cornered by a guy at a party and he just won't stop talking to me. Yeah, it's also weird that Daft Punk is in it. Yeah, I found that really confusing. It seemed like it was like about sort of a fictional version of Daft Punk, but then they also talk about Daft Punk. Yeah, it's uh it's an odd thing. I wanted it to be good because I'm a uh... 
a sucker for French shit, French shit, and uh, I love Daft Punk. Yeah, not not good. Uh, and I I felt like Greta Gerwig was very like tacked on, like they were like can like they just wanted to get some sort of known American actor so it could sell at all in America. Yeah, and I don't think it worked out for the movie either. Um, but you know, it's uh, yeah, it's hard to make. It's hard to make dance music interesting in a cinematic sense. I don't know that anybody has succeeded at doing it, though I haven't seen the Zac Efron DJ movie. <laughs> yeah, well, that, like, just in general, the, like, whole genre of, like, sort of movies, like, just about, like, music fans where they, like, talk passionately about music a lot, I think is, like, I like, I get why you would try it, but it's a very, very tough sell because, like you would just sort of like rather listen to the music and like feel those feelings firsthand. Right. Like there's that like Bruce Springsteen movie coming up. That's like, it's not a biopic. It's not a musical. It's just like about liking Bruce Springsteen a lot. And it's this thing that I'm like, I like get why you would want to do that because those are things that like hugely define us. But I feel like it just like almost never ever works on screen because um, trying to do visual storytelling about just like, being a fan and like feeling passionate when you hear things. It's like, I like, yeah, I feel a lot when I listen to music, but if like a guy on screen is like, this, this causes all these feelings of passion, then I'm like, fuck you, don't tell me how to feel. I'll <laughs> decide for myself. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's like any kind of art analysis that like, it just, just enjoy the art. Don't make art yeah. about art. Yeah, it's the, yeah, it's kind of like this weird thing where I would like it would actually be more interesting if it was just like an article or something and then like trying to translate it to like cinema is just like this it just doesn't work. Yeah. The next one is Mistress America. This is another one that she made with Noah Baumbach. And um Yeah, I didn't get this one. Uh, really? I thought this one was going to be the one that you were going to like Say, actually, no. this one I really enjoyed. No, I like Francis Ha and Greenberg more than this one. Wow. Well, to me, this one is like a, a genuinely like funny movie. Interesting. I can't think of a joke. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess it's not a joke, but like something I, about- I think I laughed more at Greenberg. Wow. Well, I, yeah, I don't know. I found this one to be uh, like, a, have the feel of like a 1950s cinematic comedy. You know, with like screw them ups and or mix mix them ups and you know people being confused and everybody showing up at a place and there being chaos around that. I think like part of I had this with like quite a few of her movies is there's a lot of like dialogue about her character and just like people saying things about her deal that I'm kind of like is she that interesting? She seems like just a like person to me, but every, but like everyone in the movie is like telling me she's fascinating, which I found like sort of adorable knowing her boyfriend directed it. Right. Like this movie, but like, isn't everything she does interesting? <laughs> and you're like, okay, buddy, that's nice. Like watching it really made me feel like I was like at my, like my couple friends party and they just kept being like, she's so quirky. And I was like, okay. Sure. She is very quirky. I heard a rumor that uh, this movie, in this movie, she based the 
character, the other character that steals her story on herself because I heard that she has a friend who basically was Frances Ha who got mad at her for co-opting her story. And then she co-opted the co-opting of the story for this story, um, which is uh, shows me that Greta Gerwig may or may not be a sociopath. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. But it's also like seeing those movies, I'm like, are you sure every woman in New York didn't say you ripped her off for Francis? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah, I'm surprised that you didn't like this one. I really thought this was going to be one of the exceptions. I I don't know. Like, it's... There's nothing, like, unbearable about it. I, I got through it fine. But there were, like, no moments that really hit for me. Um, like, I thought Greenberg had a few, like, real standout scenes. And this one is just sort of, like... Yeah, like, it, like, felt like a comedy... It's, like, sort of this common thing now of, like, comedies that, like, aren't funny enough to justify their existence. Yeah, I do I, I do feel like that that sort of final act sort of justified it to me, but here we go again, just disagreeing. <laughs> I, I felt like the idea of the story she rips off were interesting, and I liked the, like, the basic idea of people who are, like, basically strangers but also kind of sisters was like a funny idea um but yeah i didn't think anything about the concept of this movie really came to fruition like it ultimately felt like like just sort of scenes of people talking that could have been like anything i didn't think feel like they like explored any of the stuff they set up enough i did like that she's always trying to loop people into schemes because i do think that is a big part of your like late 20s as you start having friends who are like trying to get stuff off the ground that you're like mm. yeah yeah i think that's that's incredibly accurate especially if you like have ever met somebody with money uh they will tell right. you about all of the people that try and sell them on ideas and you know restaurants or bars or whatever they're you know their short film or whatever um <laughs> that shit happens all the time but i liked it i don't know mm -hmm. i don't know lenny <laughs> um, pl please elaborate on that. I don't want to rain on your parade and keep you from talking about the things you like. No, I just, I, I <laughs> to me, when I saw it, I, I expected it to be like a slightly more insufferable version of Francis Ha. And then I was like, no, actually, I think this is maybe even, if not as good, it might be even better than oh, Francis wow. Ha. Because I thought really? it was, I, I did find it. I did laugh at things in it, which I don't think I did in Francis Ha at all. Um, I don't think Francis Ha was trying to make me laugh. I think this movie did try a little bit. Um, and it just felt like, it felt like a story with a beginning, middle, and an end in a way that uh, both Greenberg and uh, Francis Ha are not. Uh, so I felt like if you were a person who was writing off those movies, I would say, oh, you should watch this one because it's at least got a plot. Um, I don't know. It's that's it. I don't. I don't have a deep intellectual defense of the movie. I just found it to be uh, delightful. That's. Yeah. I think the problem with this Greta Gerwig thing is that uh, I don't have an intellectual uh, defense for any of the things that <laughs> people say. I think all of the things that people say negating these movies are true. I just think. <laughs> they are delightful. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I get that. There's lots of, uh, I think like 
ultimately most of the films you feel strongly about are going to be things that you're just like, ah, I love looking at this. Right. I mean, like even watching the movie Ma, every time there were like teens on screen, I'd be like, ah, look at these teens. They're so <laughs> teening around. I haven't seen Ma yet. I have to. Uh... Oh, you have to. You, you got to see Ma. <laughs> So the first Noah Baumbach movie I ever saw was While We're Young, and which is one of the ones without Greta Gerwig. And that one is so like, like it keeps the tension going and the ball rolling and everything like comes to a head. And um, so I think I was like, like thought that that's what his movies would be and like was excited. I was like, um, yeah, I was like, that's a great start his other movies will probably be even more tense and escalate even better. And then it was like, no, every single other one is people like sitting around eating lunch. And that was like, well, we're young is like the experimental. What if we had a story movie? Well, Squid and the Whale. Oh, I haven't seen that one. Oh, you should see, you'll like Squid and the Whale. Okay. Squid and the Whale is a coming of age movie. Uh, and, and Jeff Daniels is a 1980s dad uh, with a Aww. nice big beard, you'll you'll be uh, you'll be into it. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, I like how. <laughs> I mean, I like Noah Baumbach just for how much he wants Ben Stiller to have sex with Adam Driver. <laughs> like, I don't know if you saw um, the Mayorowitz stories, but there's literally a scene. There's a scene that they never come back to. This plot thread it means nothing. It's just thrown in there where Adam Driver's one scene is just like telling Ben Stiller how much he loves him. <laughs> and then they just never return to that character. Um, so I'm just gonna keep watching his movies forever because I have to believe they'll kiss eventually because he wants it so bad. And I think that's that's your Ben Stiller Oscar play right there. Yes. <laughs> if he kisses Adam Driver, I think technically the Academy is legally yeah. required to give him a nomination at the very least. That's why I'm like, why are you holding back? <laughs> like, you, you clearly want to do it and you'll get, get nothing but good press. Why is your gayest movie still Zoolander 2, Ben Stiller? <laughs> That's true. Yeah, it's time. Oh, I also, like, I like that. Uh, I like Noah Baumbach's obsession with Ben Stiller uh, boning Adam Driver because I can't tell, like, which one is his surrogate. He's, like, kind of, like, in between them and i'm like do you know if i know what he looks like does he look like them he looks sort of like a younger yeah man so yeah so like thinking about that pair i'm like i can't tell if you like want ben stiller to be your daddy or if you want to daddy adam driver and you're living vicariously through ben stiller so i yeah he needs to make more movies we need to hash this out (laughs) very specific i mean if Lenny ran Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, it's specific, but at the same time, that's like what While We're Young is about. It's like he made a whole movie that's like about Ben Stiller being in love with him where they don't kiss. And it's like, finish your business, man. Yeah. Why do their wives kiss and they don't when that's what the movie's about? Probably anyway, for some like... heteronormative uh, <laughs> fear <laughs> reasons. <laughs> anyway. Greta Gerwig's not in that movie, so I'm sorry, but just wrapping up the the Noah Baumbach thread. All right, next up is the Portlandia episode, Doug Becomes a Feminist. I am generally a fan of Portlandia, but I thought this was one of the weaker episodes. I felt the same way. 
Yeah. yeah. I feel like uh, when the, like I know part of their whole thing is sort of like parodying, like, I don't think they would use the word woke, but like kind of that, but like usually it's a little more understated and this just like straight up parodying like uh, feminism and in, in the open, cold open there's like a weird thing about lgbt people and i was like you've you've overstepped portlandia you don't really know what you're doing anymore yeah i i i completely agree it just seems like a a series of weird choices uh you know yeah, yeah. there's i feel like there's a lot of comedy from this era like this that this and like certain parts of like 30 rock and unbreakable kimmy schmidt where they're like like jokes that just loop around to being like normal sexist jokes that you would just see on two and a half men. Yeah. I, I, yes. Uh, ironic, uh, sexism that just the joke is supposed to be on the sexist, but it's, it's just a sexist joke. Uh, yeah. and yeah. And I think, but I think the Greta Gerwig of it is that, uh, you know, if you get asked to be on Portlandia, you just go be on Portlandia. Right. I think so. I, I I don't blame her for the. Uh, oh sure, yeah. yeah it's um, and also, you know, you make a lot of episodes of a thing. There's going to be some duds. Yeah, I uh, it's it's always awkward when that when this happens where like, um, yeah, like with Amy Adams, her episode of Buffy was like one of the worst Buffy episodes. So I had to be like, I guess I don't recommend this. Um, <laughs> next up is my favorite Greta Gerwig thing. My gold star, China, Illinois, the Adult Swim show. Uh, I truly love this show. Uh, I watched it just sort of like randomly. I happened to catch the uh, the magical pet episode, um, and it was just like one of those rare times I was just completely taken aback by an episode of TV. And like, I I watched it. I watched it again, and then my roommate came home, and I was like, "You have to watch this episode of TV." And then like shortly after we had watched it together, she was like, can we watch that again? It's like so just addictive and truly, truly strange. Um, the Magical Pet is like the musical episode, but lots of other episodes have musical numbers and they just like, uh, the musical numbers are just like very strange and have like little things that like get in your head and a lot of them aren't on like YouTube. So you're like, I guess I gotta watch the full episode. Um, and yeah, I just, I love it. It's, uh, most adult swim shows I tire on very quickly. Cause it's like, okay, we get it. Random stuff is happening. And I think this is one where it just like works, uh, the, just the weird humor, like completely works and I don't get sick of it. I watched a few episodes of the show when it first came out, I realized, uh, and I thought it was fine, but I think it rubbed me as just like most adult swim mm. shows um and i sort of you know i didn't don't feel differently about it today than i did then um i think it's it's good there's funny jokes in it and uh but i couldn't immerse myself in it i i'm a it's a huge uh blind spot for me i don't i don't i haven't watched rick and morty i haven't done oh, wow. yeah i'm not rick and, Mor rick and morty i would say is very different it's like yeah um, but i but yeah. i i'm just saying in that like world uh i sort of i get tired of those things pretty quickly um and yeah like this almost uh 
has an ugly Americans vibe at times, I found. And uh, that show, I have similarly like. Oh, I also love that show. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Something about it. I, I'm sure if I like gave myself more time with it, I would grow to love it. But I also am endlessly impatient with uh, television and movies at this point and don't want to don't want to binge things if I'm not like immediately excited about them. Um, but it is it looks gorgeous. I know you love when something looks good. Um, and uh, there is, it is funny. Um, I did not see the the musical pet episode. Okay. So yeah, yeah, I would recommend checking out Magical Pet, and then you can uh, write it off forever after that. Okay. Um, yeah, I get what you're saying. I think yeah, Adult Swim shows are very hit or miss. Like I feel like Children's Hospital. There are even like moments that I'll admit, like yeah, that's an incredible joke, and but then like after you watch like three more episodes, you're like, but who cares? Like right. ultimately it just like starts to kind of roll off your back. But I don't know something about China, Illinois, I find just like very addictive. And I really like, I like, I genuinely like Greta Gerwig's uh, romance with the like sleazy dude character. Who's uh, her um, love interest. Cause it feels like, it feels like that classic, like Barney and Robin on How I Met Your Mother relationship, except like it knows what it is. It's like, um, just like a will they, won't they, with like two disgusting people uh, that, I, that I truly enjoy. Yeah, I think animation gives uh, a little bit more room to make that kind of a show. I think every sitcom is trying to make their, you know, actors seem likable. I mean, I mm -hmm. guess like a. Always Sunny could have tackled that, but they don't have through lines of stories that way, so they wouldn't. And thank God they didn't. But uh, mm -hmm. but yeah, I, I see the appeal there. It is knowing about how awful its characters are, which cartoons tend to be better at doing. And I, I like that she's like, the character is like treated like a hot girl, but she's not drawn hot, which is like brave for a cartoon because their audience is just like sad men. Right. It's, it feels very defiant that she in no way has a hot body. But that might also just be the style. If you took right. the character into the real world, she might actually be hot. Yeah. I definitely think she's, like, supposed to be. But it doesn't have that, like... Curvilicious, like, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. In some cartoons, like, all the dudes are just circles. And then the woman is randomly hot. That's also true of uh, all Kevin James shows. Yeah. All the dudes are just circles and all the women are very yeah. hot. Next up, Maggie's plan. Um, this one I thought was the peak of the thing I was talking about where people will like say qualities she has on screen instead of us like ever seeing it. Like there's so many times where they're like, your thing is you control everything around you. And I'm like, does she? Um, I was excited for this movie because it's about Greta Gerwig being with hot professor Ethan Hawke. Um, but uh, I thought it was so tedious. The like, the plotting, I hate movie. I hate especially romances that take place over like a long period of time. Like I hate like Jerry Maguire, where it's like, you have the will they, won't they? They get together, they break up, 
they're considering getting together again. And you're just like, this is like three seasons of a TV show passing off as a movie. Yeah. Yeah. I get that, that criticism. Also, there's just nothing to latch onto that was likable in anybody here. And that I think can save these movies, these like thinly plotted movies, like a little bit of likable characters could go a long way in here. Yeah. Or just like a compelling character. Like I, if there was someone who was more like Machiavellian, I might be into it. But instead, it's like, I feel like everyone is trying their best, but they're just kind of shitty. Yeah. And I'm a sucker for Ethan Hawke and Bill Hader and all these people. But uh, not one person stepped up and brought it for me. They, uh, yeah, very, uh, very bland movie but uh nice to see Greta Gerwig getting top billing on such a, mm-hmm. an illustrious cast mm-hmm. um yeah it is it, like if you just want if your thing is you just want to watch a lot of Greta Gerwig she is like pretty much in every scene of the movie yeah um, uh yeah I, I always like want to really like Ethan Hawke when I just like hear him talk about movies and then like the last two things I saw him in were Maggie's plan and Maudie, which just playing like a one note shitty husband. It's like, oh, you like when I hear him talk, it like sounds like he would only take interesting roles. But then I'm like, yeah, but he's doomed by his look. He looks like a one note, mm-hmm. somewhat interesting husband <laughs> character. Like that's like, mm-hmm. and essentially that's people pl- making him play the grown-up version of his Reality Bites character. Right. Um, which he'll be trapped in until the day he dies. So... Yeah. I think he should just go back to, like, his Dead Poets Society character of just being, like, very earnestly sad. I would like that more than these, like, fussy, grumpy dudes. Well, there was the Priest movie. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen that. But it is from the director of Freddy Stanellis' The Canyon, so I have trouble taking it seriously. <laughs> Okay, well, I haven't seen either, but uh, I hear the priest movie the is Canyons good. is one of the shittiest movies I've ever seen. But yeah, First Reformed is probably better, but I don't know. Did you know that um, Paul Schrader, like in the middle of award seasons for First Reformed, uh, posted on Facebook about how great Kevin Spacey is and how he'd like to work with Kevin Spacey? Just like apropos of nothing. Just like, these are my thoughts. And the the like first reformed studio had to be like, you can't post on Facebook until award season is over. Yeah. Um, you know, we can't, yeah. we can't figure <laughs> People are going to say insane, dumb things. Every director. I'm so much more compelled by just the drama of the real life than the boring movies. They make. Yeah. All right. I'm curious what you thought of Wiener dog. Um, I didn't like it, but I liked the dog. That is also how I feel. It's funny. I like had seen those, the viral pictures of Danny DeVito walking a wiener dog in a dress. And I had no idea it was from a movie. I always thought it was just like, I thought from it was his commercial. Life. Oh, interesting. Cause he does so many commercials that I'm, I was like, Oh, which, uh, it's a Nest cafe commercial or something. <laughs> um, but here we are. It was, uh, this movie. I think, yeah. uh, well, first of all, Todd Salon's, uh, you know, he's about half and half for me in general. What else has he done? Todd Salon's did, uh, he did the, the 
Welcome to the Dollhouse and oh, uh, okay, cool. Happiness. Uh, those are in the good section. And then he also did uh, he did a couple of other worse ones. Storytelling is not so great. And uh, Palindromes is not so great. Um, so, and then this, but, you know, those movies are so uh, dark. Mm-hmm. And then he made this. Well, I feel like what I thought about this was it like was clearly trying really hard. Like it was just like throwing stuff against the wall, like dead dogs, cancer, hate crimes, but like not saying anything about those things. So it just like felt like the movie kept being like, are you upset yet? And I was like, no, like you haven't said anything about those things. Yeah, well, some people would argue that happiness is that kind of a movie, too. Um, You know, where it's like a but it's about, you know, this weird creepy guy calling people and it's about you know molestation and yada yada but uh yeah i mean this this seemed like all the fun of a all, all the not fun of a todd salons movie plus a dog um and uh you know i mean it's a noble it was a noble effort i also think any movie that's like uh vignettes is uh that's always a dicey proposition. Um, there's very few of those that are great, um, and most of them are like bad. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I even the ones that are very good tend to be like that one is good and that part of it is good and that part of it is good and that part of it is right. good and those those three parts are terrible. Um, so I think it's just there's no winning when you're making those kinds of movies. Um, yeah, the the Gretica rig where Culkin part I felt was okay. It I think the Danny DeVito part was probably the best part for me. Yeah. Um, and then I think Gretica rig where Culkin part would be second, but it is because there was at least like something to latch on to where you're like, sure, like we all have crushes on shitty guys from our high school. Um, and, we all uh, do, Lenny. Yeah, <laughs> or shitty girls from our high school. <laughs> um, yeah, I, but there was also like really annoying dialogue in it. Like he very like casually mentions that he hate crimed a trans woman from their high school, which I like get that it's like that kind of movie, but it like wasn't like darkly funny or interesting. It was, it just kind of like happened and like I don't know it's hard to talk about because I like get that the point is this is the kind of movie where there's throwaway lines about how he hate crime to trans women but I feel like in that genre this still didn't work it wasn't interesting enough yeah and I think a lot of people would argue that Todd Salons's filmography is loaded with those moments where he's trying to push the envelope and it's like to what end why are yeah. you doing this um you know, even even when it's great, uh, you know, like Happiness, I think, is a great movie, but it also has like a weird romantic plot about a man and a boy. Um, so have you ever seen Happiness? No, I haven't seen it. Yet. Um, you should watch it just for the experience, <laughs> sure. just, to, just to know how much you'd, you'd hate it, I think. Um, <laughs> that's my guess. Um, right. But yeah, that's the kind of movies that that guy makes. But I felt like this one didn't, like, zero in on really, like, pushing any tension very far. I feel like 
a lot of it like if you weren't paying attention could like feel like your average like sitcom and then they'll just be like one bit of dialogue that you're like oh what'd he say um so i like like i could see like happiness as you're describing it being like a movie that you're like at least that was like interesting and brave to make but i felt like this was just like if new girl sometimes was like imagine raping a woman with cancer and then like went back to being new girl yeah and i think that's this guy trying to make a funny movie about a dog (laughs) and then also just realizing oh i still can only make the kinds of movies that i make um that feels like a like bet like hey you should make you should make a fun dog movie i'll give you twenty dollars if you can yep um well speaking of middling sitcoms did you watch uh her three episodes of the mindy project i'm mad that i'm to be listed as three because she's really only in one i uh i have to say that i did not watch the mindy project episodes that Um, was a good choice great great um yeah i truly hate this show um i feel like I remember it starting off as like mediocre, but then it very quickly became like, oh, this is a bad show. And like the the Greta Gerwig season is season four, but it feels like it should be like season eight of a sitcom because Mindy and her main love interest are divorced and have a kid together. And then he gets engaged to Greta, Ger- to Greta Gerwig and she fucks up his relationship. And it's like, how did you burn through shit so fast. Yeah, that's a very quick escalation <laughs> of things. Yeah, and it's just, um, it's just, like, sad. Like, uh, Greta Gerwig is so, so sweet, and she's just ruining her life. And, um, I feel like the fundamental problem with the Mindy Project is it just, like, never figured out what kind of show it is. So it's, like, so, so cruel and mean but then still just has like the aesthetic of like a feel good, nice show. True, truly bad. <laughs> like I, I, I always kind of forget how bad it is and think of it as like a mediocre show. And then like watching these Greta Gerwig episodes, I was like, oh yeah, this is bad. Like it might be one of the worst sitcoms. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I watched the first two of it ever and i was like i like mindy kaling but i'm not gonna watch this show so Mm -hmm. i'm uh and i kept that up even though (laughs) i was supposed to watch it for this so (laughs) apologies blind spot um all right next is the jackie o biopic jackie starring natalie portman what do you think of this one i love jackie i think it's i think it's one of the better you hate it yeah, I do. Um, I, I, you know, I'm a, I'm an Irish American Democratic boy. I uh, care about the Kennedys uh, for one reason or another, uh, and I, I think that uh, Natalie Portman is great in it, um, like very accurate, uh, which is not something that yeah, I- we have. My my roommate was like, that voice is insane. And we had to like pause the movie and look up how Jackie O talked. And then she was like, oh, okay. okay. Yeah, I saw it at the Alamo. And before the movie, they played the Jackie O showing people around the White House thing. And uh, I was like, oh, wow. I'm glad that they did yeah. that because it really, it helps you not get like lost and like, why is she talking like that? 
but I thought I, I think the movie is great and I, I uh, earned time jumping. I think um, I think it's yeah. Not gonna. I have nothing bad to say about uh, the movie Jackie. Yeah, I just uh, I guess I just found it odd. Like the the scenes they chose to put in, I didn't think were that um, compelling. I feel like I wouldn't have. Um, ordered the scenes in that way if i was making a jackie o biopic um it was like a little hard for me to get into as a movie um also i was very confused about her relationship with greta gerwig because greta gerwig really acted like her mom but i was like that can't be what it is because she's a much younger actress no she's like a chief of staff kind of person yeah but she like she was always like I don't know. She's just like hovering around acting like her mom. I was like, what? Yeah. It's like a handler kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I guess that's when you're rich, you just pay people to act like your mom. Well, it's not when you're rich. I think it's when you're first lady, you have somebody who acts like your mom. <laughs> woman. Uh, I thought that was an incredibly insufferable movie because it was like, it really felt like a, like it's a man wrote and directed it and it really feels like someone desperately being like think think what do they do because it'll just like <laughs> talk about like clitorises and periods and stuff and like i was like very quickly like this feels like condescending like this feels like women in a zoo yeah i uh i agree i also thought uh the the depiction of punk in the movie was a sore spot for me uh just seemed weird uh, the, you know, the punks versus the new wave kids and, uh, you know, like all of that. It just, it's, it's odd. Um, but yeah. I do remember liking it in the movie theater. And I think maybe that was just because, uh, it was a time where I was looking for a movie like it to enjoy. Uh, it was right after the election, if you'll recall. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I had a lot of feelings going in and I think I left it feeling like I was into it. And then when I was skimming it, uh a second time i was like oh this is pretty insufferable <laughs> yeah no all right finally what unless you had more about 20th century no women. that's it yeah, yeah. Right. uh what'd you think of isle of dogs uh isle of dogs is adorable it's no fantastic it's no fantastic mr fox um it showed me that i needed to get glasses uh because <laughs> i saw it in the movies and i could not read the subtitles um <laughs> So, so to that end, it was a very important movie yeah, in my life. Medically important film. <laughs> so, um, what did you think of Isle of Dogs? Yeah, I mean the the art was good. It's obviously like a very strong aesthetic, and I thought Brian Cranston was really good. Um, but uh, yeah, it's like sort of felt like it was supposed to have like an adventure plot, but then like none of the plotting was very good um there was a lot of like setups uh for stuff that you're like okay i, I know how this will pay off that just like didn't work as payoffs um it's also yeah, racist that's, right that's what i've heard i like didn't look into it that much because i like i don't know i didn't i was like this is a controversy i can sit out you right, know right. i don't need to know about every movie's racism yeah 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 um, yeah, um, it just feels like it has a lot of like hack sort of Asian speaking stereotype stuff going on. Mm -hmm. um, but besides that, I mean, I think it is 
it looks nice and it's uh it's a funny you know some things in it are funny and the dogs are adorable yeah i think it's one of those movies where like the first half is really strong i like everything they set up with the brian cranston character and then it just like i don't know i i didn't feel like it knew how to like do like great payoffs yeah and usually i don't find wes anderson movies boring but there was a huge chunk of like that being boring and it shouldn't a, yeah. a movie shouldn't be that pretty and boring it really had the feel of like an animated short film and it just got like very stretched out yeah yeah i agree um yeah i think he must people must have just been telling wes anderson you got to do another one of those um <laughs> and he was like how about this and got like the biggest cast in the world together and <laughs> it was fine yeah. Yeah. So I think what we're where we're landing on this thing is uh, Greta Gerwig's filmography is fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know, there's no shame in that. A lot of people have significantly more egregious films than she does. She pretty quickly reached the point where she can actually like turn stuff down and focus on other things, which is always good for an artist. Right. And now. Uh... And now it feels like she may never be in a movie again. I mean, like, <laughs> if you look at the filmography, it's like she was in multiple things every year until she made Lady Bird. And now it's mm -hmm. it's all over. Yeah. It's just, yeah, fine with me. I think Lady Bird is significantly better than any of the, the movies she's acted in. I am inclined to agree, with the possible exception of Jackie, which you hate. Wow. Um, I would not have expected that to be the one. It really felt like a like normal like TV movie to me. Yeah, <laughs> like I, not. I don't know. I think it's a. I think it's an artsier sort of take on the biopic. Um, I'm a. I'm a simpleton. I can be impressed very easily. <laughs> um. So is that your your favorite? If you had to pick a best. I think I might still pick Frances Ha or Mistress America as my favorite as because they're more representative of what Greta Gerwig brings to a table, the table. Sure, yeah. Um, Jackie isn't really about Greta Gerwig. That's fair. Um, and then am I supposed to tell you my bottom? Yes. Um, yeah, this is, this is hard because there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of bottom. Um, I would say that LOL movie is really, really bad. The one that you didn't watch. Yeah, I'll have to, I guess if it's you, possibly the very worst one, I have to watch it now. Yeah, I would say, I, I, I highly recommend that you suffer through that piece okay. of shit. <laughs> yeah, that's probably the worst one. And if your first is your worst, that's that's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. And your bottom is the... Oh, the humbling, definitely. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say that's close to the bottom as well. But uh, But LOL is really bad. At least they got a professional camera for the humbling. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, well, cool. This was fun. Yeah. You want you want to plug anything? Uh, just at Tim Duffy on uh, Twitter, the Tim Duffy on Instagram. Uh, I if I have shows, that's where I'll let people know that I have them. Oh, so close to the finish line, hey, everybody. It's Tom. I'm I'm a producer on this show. And there was a technical snafu here, right, right, right at the end. 
Uh, Lenny would like to say thank you all for listening. You can donate to his Patreon at uh, patreon.com slash Lenny Burnham, B-U-R-N-H-A-M. Thank you very much, Tim Duffy, for guesting on this episode. And uh, tune in in a month for I don't know who it'll be because I don't host this podcast, but I hope you enjoy listening to it. Thanks for listening to the Major Casts Network. Stay fun, stay nasty, and stay major.